The biggest hurdle has been cleared in the UK for the Microsoft Activision merger. Plus, at GDC this week, we learned that AI is coming for entry-level gaming jobs. Tonight is March 26, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so love, you would say uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Aki Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy O'Kay says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. I'm here. I promise. A little late. A little late. Apologize for that. Uh, I was not feeling too good today, and I was like, at about like an hour ago, I'm like, well, I guess, you know, maybe if I'm not feeling too good, I'm going to cancel the show. And then I started feeling fine. So I've been feeling fine for like the last 45 minutes. So I'm here, uh, and apologies to the podcast feed, because uh, last week's show hasn't gotten up yet, because I got swamped and then had uh, other things going on this weekend, and then I didn't feel good th- today for most of the day. But I'm here now. And we're going to have a great show. Welcome to a hopefully great show of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwolf, and uh, I am thrilled to be here with you tonight. Uh, if you are joining us live here on this Sunday night, even though I started about five minutes late, I apologize for that. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape this show live usually each and every Friday or so Friday night. No, not Friday night. Friday night's for fun. Uh, Sunday night, this is fun too. Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vog network. Come join us live and interact with the show directly, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night, but we are on a Discord server. Vognetwork.com slash Discord is where we are during uh, the week, uh, and you can submit topics or reply to topics that have happened over there. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so, uh, I'd love to, to, to see you all, uh, see some of you there. You don't have to be there. If you just want to listen, that is perfectly fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I do want to mention at the very top here that, uh, even though last week's episode didn't go out. So if this is your first time hearing about it, sorry, it's kind of, you know, but, uh, we, we've been trying to toot the horn about it on the, on the Vogue Network Discord server and on my, on my social media accounts, but the 3D, uh, 3DS and the Wii U eShop. Not the 3DU. The 3D Wii U. The 3DS and the Wii U eShops are closing tomorrow. This is your last night to pick things up. I did pick up uh, a couple of point cards. Uh, I picked up some of the games that I was talking about getting, uh, like Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix, which I haven't actually played yet. I did boot it up. It actually works. Uh, But I I did pick up Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix under uh, Mike Def's suggestion. Uh, And uh, I did get um, a bunch of pick rights in Pokemon Picross for the 3DS. Uh, and those, because those were kind of the two things that I was kind of hoping for. And, you know, they did it right with, with the free-to-play mechanic. And they've done this since the beginning on Pokemon Picross, which was a very early... It was actually my introduction to the Picross genre, which is nonograms and stuff. It's a puzzle genre. It's it's my guilty pleasure. It's probably what I shouldn't be playing. But it is something I'm playing. And what they did is if you purchase enough pick rights which comes out to about $25 and pick rights are what are the in-game currency that you use and you actually gain pick rights for completing puzzles but you know everything's on a timer it's everything's on like a free-to-play structure but if you purchase enough pick rights they're like okay now you can just buy them for free and I think it comes out to like $25 or something like that if you spend $25 which basically means that the full version of the game is a $25 game, which is a lot for a Picross game. Usually Picross games are anywhere between 7 to $10 from the same company. But uh, th- that I, I liked because that way now that I can't buy anymore after tomorrow, uh, I have all the pick rights I need and I can reset timers and I can just play the game like it was a normal game. So that I understand and it's a reasonable price. It's not thousands of dollars. It was $25. So it's a free-to-start game for 25 bucks. You can basically unlock the whole game uh, and not have to pay anything else. Uh, and, uh, and, and I liked that model. I, I really do like that model. It's like having a really big demo 
that then instead of getting the full version of the game, you just make the demo unlock to be uh, the full game. So, uh, and S. Jared Matt says Pokemon Shuffle has a similar mechanic. Yes, and uh, I've I've got that too. Uh, I, I haven't unlocked Pokemon Shuffle uh, all the way, but I did play. Uh, I, I do have Pokemon Shuffle. I've even got some Street Pass stuff that I haven't. Little green dots still there. Uh, that I haven't looked at. And Mike Depp says, Pokemon Tax. Yeah, probably the Pokemon Tax for the, the 25 bucks. Although, on the Nintendo Switch, there is a Sega version of Picross with, like, a bunch of Genesis and, and Mega Drive and Master System and a bunch of that type of stuff. And it still was only, like, 10 It might have been 14 bucks, but it, was, it wasn't 25 to 30 bucks like the Pokemon. So, yeah, Pokemon Tax is bigger than the Sega Tax. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff that people have been picking up. Uh, I think I saw somebody said, uh, like, uh, P- Pushmo was one of the ones that they were picking up uh, in our Discord server, and you're probably going to hear this email on Orange Lounge Radio's t- on tonight's episode of Orange Lounge Radio, but they posted it in the general channel. YYR has, like, all these different... Uh, all, all these games that uh, that you should pick up. One's like a, a Derby Owners Club ripoff or something, or not ripoff, but an homage uh, to Derby Owners Club. Um, so there, there's that. So you only have, like, I, I it, they just said tomorrow. They didn't say what time tomorrow. So you don't have that much time left if you're here. Um, and uh, so and and just so everybody knows, Breakman is here uh, in chat. Uh, we can start turn start the show now. It was in caps lock. So uh, I guess, uh, hang on, we, I think we have to do it this way, since it was in caps lock. Breakman is here. We can start the show now. There we go. Uh, so uh, Breakman is here. We can start now. So welcome to the Bobby Blackwell Show. Uh, and so, yeah, that was Pocket Card Jockey is the game that we, uh, YYR is talking about in our Discord uh, about the 3DS and the Wii U. Um, I haven't been playing any of that because I will say, and kind of changing gears a little bit, instead of a games that came out a while ago, how about games that are coming out in the future? I actually dusted off my Battle.net account for the first time since, I don't know, when did StarCraft Two come out? Um, cause, uh, th- that when I, I bought Starcraft two at launch and played it a little bit. And then, uh, I don't think I touched my battle net account since, um, I know it got hacked at one point and I was a world world of Warcraft gold farmer, but, uh, I, I was able to, I didn't realize that until I was literally banned from world of Warcraft and I'm like, Oh, and then I logged in. I'm like, Oh yeah, no, that totally was my account. And so I put, uh, two, that's when I put the two factor authentication on it. My first two factor authentication was that blizzard account. Um, and so, but I, I still have access to that authenticator and all that stuff. So I, uh, dusted it off to play the, uh, the gory game that everybody was playing this weekend, Diablo four. And, uh, I, uh, it's been a while since I played a Diablo on PC. I played Diablo two on PC. I never played Diablo three on PC. I do have it, the console version for the PS4. Uh, but going back to playing on PC and basically playing clicky, the game, which is what I think Diablo is, um, I'm like, okay, it, it's cool, but the problem is I, and I think it's because I'm playing by myself. I got bored. I got to about level 13. I was playing a barbarian because I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to have on my account the uh, the little puppy backpack that had the puppy sleeping in your back. Like, So you got to get to level 20. And I'm sitting here going... After like level thirteen and going through some of the you know some of the main story and stuff, I'm like, this is repetitive, and I and I get what the the appeal is for it is that it's about getting uh getting you know seeing the better loot go on your character and I do I've got some yellow items on my character and stuff, but it's really just click clicky the game and. Maybe it's because of my playstyle, and maybe it's because I'm not playing with other people. I think, like, if I was playing in a group with with people sitting over Discord chatting, I'd probably like it a lot more. Uh, but like, just going through myself, it's like, all right, go to the next room, click these things, hit one, two, three, sometimes, you know, to crowd control the enemies, and then go to the next place. And um, and yeah, and uh, and Fifth Room says I helped kill the world boss last night. That was the other thing that's interesting about uh, Diablo Four is that. It plays kind of like a little MMO. Uh, there are events that happen, and not just the world boss. The world boss is a big thing, but uh, like events that'll happen around town uh, or, or in the field. And they, they look—if you've ever played Final Fantasy XIV—they look exactly like fates on the map. They're b- big orange circle, uh, and you can go in there and do them. I did some by myself. I did one with another person. 
uh, d- doing the event, and that's where I got some of that yellow loot. But uh, other than that, I was like just going through the dungeons, and I'm like, yeah, this is kind of this is kind of boring single player. And so I'm like, and I w- didn't feel too good today because I was going to spend the rest of today possibly at least getting to level twenty, even though I know twenty five is the data ca- uh, the level cap in in the beta. Uh, and your character doesn't carry over. So it really doesn't matter what you do with your character. But I'm like, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to level 20. I'm, I don't think I'm invested enough. Uh, I think I've put probably six or seven hours into it already, and I'm at level thir- 13. I know. I think there was like another car- class I could have played that like basically just blows through the early game content, and I didn't pick that class, so that's on me. But um, yeah, I'm not, I, I wasn't... I wasn't feeling it as a single-player experience. And Diablo 3 really wasn't that much for me either, even though I was playing it on a PS4. Um, and, and I think it's really it's the multiplayer uh, experience. That's what everybody remembers from Diablo, and that's how a lot of play, people play Diablo is with other people and doing basically also the endgame content uh, and, and doing the high-level stuff because uh, once you hit max level, that's when the game really starts. The Regman says, boring is the worst thing you can say about something made to entertain you. I mean, it's, it's really well made. Uh, you know, the, the, the cutscenes were, were really well made. Some of the way, the way that they did the cutscenes in the game uh, were also really well made. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this is kind of an interesting story. Um, somewhat. Uh, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of tropes of the, you know, the Diablo style thing that you would think, oh, yeah, that's what's happening. Big, big evil person's coming back. Called on by humans. We'll probably turn on all the humans. Who knows? Um, spoiler alert. I haven't watched the end. But that's probably what's going to happen in the story. Uh, and you're you're out to destroy that person before they destroy everything. Uh, uh, the Breakman says, I'll just stick with Civilization Six. And as Jerry Matt says, Civilization Six is on Game Pass now. That's been problematic for me this week. Yes, Civilization. I love Civilization. The problem is whenever I play Civilization, any of the Civilization games, uh, I suddenly turn around and see the sun has come up. And that's not good. That's not good for my sleep schedule. Uh, that's not good for anything. Um, so, so yeah. So I, I can understand Civ Six being on Game Pass being problematic. I have it on Steam, uh, and uh, I pull it out every once in a while when I know I've got like eight hours uh, before I have to do anything else, uh, and then I play Civ. Yeah, Sharon Mattis says uh, has not gone to bed before two thirty a.m. this week. Yeah. Civ will do that to you. At least it's 2.30 a.m. It's not 6.30 a.m., which is like sometimes what happens to me because it's, you know, just one more turn. Just one more turn. Monkey 11 says, I still prefer Diablo 2. Something about playing that old game on a PC feels just right to me. Um, so, yeah. so uh, But, yeah, I dust off my Battle.net account. The interesting thing is uh, I do actually have a friend on Battle.net. Mike Deft is my only friend on Battle.net. So uh, that's also the other reason I probably haven't been able to play multiplayer with anybody because I don't know anybody else on, on Battle.net. There's so many so so many different services I've got to have people friends on. Um, so yeah, so Mike Def's my only friend on there. And since I never played Overwatch, that's why I'm never on, on, on Battle.net. I, like I said, I think it was... I have StarCraft 2 on that account because I bought StarCraft 2, the boxed copy, because this was back when I was still buying physical media for PC games and was like, here's the code for Battle.net. And I was like, oh, okay. Mike Def says, not even Rob. I haven't loaded Battle.net in, in years, so I never got Rob's information on Battle.net and I couldn't find it anywhere. I looked. S. Jeremy Matt says, if it was not for adult life, I'd stay up until 6 a.m. playing Civilization Six. Damn adulting. Yeah, so that that's, yeah, that's the funny thing. It's like, when I was, when I was in school, in college, because um, I, I, I'm not going to say I was the best student ever in college, so I'm going to say I had a lot of free time in college. Uh, I know you're supposed to be, like, working on papers and homework and stuff. <laughs> I didn't do all that too well, and no, I was not on any dean's list in college either. I did graduate, though, but uh, barely. But in college, I, w- I had all this time, but I didn't have the money to get and, and, you know, all the gaming stuff that I wanted. I had a whole lot of free time. Like, that was when I would spend, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 hours in a, in a PlayStation RPG uh, and stuff. Now, I've got the money to do things because I have been fortunate enough uh, in, you know, with, you know, getting ahead in life and things going my way. And, and you know, luck played a little bit into it as well. 
uh, that I don't have the time to enjoy all this stuff. So, like, in college, I would have had the time to play Civ Six a whole lot, uh, but I couldn't afford Civ Six. Now I can afford Civ Six. I just don't have the time to play it all that much. Mike Def says, I didn't download the beta because I'm probably going to be playing uh, Street Fighter Six when Diablo 4 comes out, so I'm not even going to bother. Granted, the, uh, don't, the, don't know if the beta was cross-play. Yes, uh, the beta is cross-play, it looks like, because there's little tick boxes that says like, you can cross-play it. Um, and uh, But I, I the only reason... I wasn't going to get Diablo 4 on launch, but what they did, the marketing that Blizzard did... Here's the marketing. The marketing they did... With the little puppy in the backpack, I was like, you know what? I I want that. Um, now the question is, do I want it enough to try to get to level 20 before the beta ends this weekend? I don't think I do. I got to level 13. Character gets wiped anyway, so that's not, it's not, it, that doesn't matter. Um, but I'm trying to, I was, I'm trying to figure out if I care enough. And I don't know what time the beta ends. Um, but, uh, I did not get there yesterday. I didn't make it all the way to level 20 yesterday. S. Jared Amat says, uh, yeah, I need to f- find a friend folks on Battle.net. Good thing we have a Discord room. Let's game together to friend people. Yes, we do have a room on our Discord called Let's Game Together. It, uh, it is renamed from the Pokemon Go, uh, one because people stopped playing Pokemon Go or at least chatting up about it, even though you can still talk about Pokemon Go in that room, we just opened it up to all multiplayer games, and so we can put that stuff in there. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Dark Tetsuya says, I'm almost to 20. I don't think I'll be able to beat the boss, but I'm mostly grinding to get to 20. Uh, the thing that's that's nice, I guess, with the grinding aspect is and is Diablo does something I normally hate, and that's they scale the difficulty of the bo- the enemies around you with you. So you never overpower an area. In fact, I tried to go back to one area, and it actually threw, like, tougher enemies. And the only time I ever died was when I was trying to backtrack to an original place to go activate a waypoint. Um, and I died twice because it's like, we're going to respawn you at the closest checkpoint, which was literally right there with all those enemies. So I learned about item degradation and how to repair and all that stuff. Uh, so it ends, beta ends noon my time tomorrow. So I actually have tonight. So if I, if I've, you know, I actually spent a lot of the day in bed trying to get better and I feel better now. So maybe I'll, won't be able to sleep tonight and I'll play Diablo at three in the morning. Who knows? Anyway, so Diablo four was not on the topic, but I, I've been playing Diablo four. Uh, I've got to level 13 and, uh, we'll see if I make it to the rest, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, we have a Discord server. Let's game together. You can post your Battle.net tag in there, and we'll friend some people up. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe I'll join you in June. Maybe I won't. It really depends. I don't know. And Questbuster says the only time I've actually died was when a bunch of us tried to fight the world boss, which killed everyone. Yeah, no. And uh, so I've died three times in Diablo Four. Uh, twice was when I tried to go back to like the town, town it starts you in, but like waypoints aren't activated by then, or at least I didn't know to activate the waypoint. So I'm like, I'll just run back there real quick. And apparently like some higher level monsters or something that, that up area had upgraded and even trying to just run past them all. I basically just kited all of them to my location and they killed me. And then the checkpoint was like literally right there. So they were all waiting right outside the cabin and they killed me again and, so it took me a bit to get away from them so I could teleport away. Um, and then uh, uh, the other time was in one of the bosses, one of the boss fights. I uh, didn't di- uh, didn't catch on to the pattern early enough and ran out of potions. The Regman says, I've never died in Diablo 4, but I am cheating by not playing it. See, at least I'm playing it. And Breakman always makes fun of me for not wanting to play games where I'm going to you know die in. And here I am playing it. So, uh, into the news this week, uh, there was a, a big hurdle cleared uh, in the legal air, uh, arena, overseas at least, about uh, the merger between uh, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. Kotaku reports that Microsoft's nice $69 billion deal to buy Activision Blizzard inch closer in a big way on Friday. UK regulators announced a provisional finding that the acquisition wouldn't harm competition, despite previously suggesting the Xbox maker might need to spin off the Call of Duty business to get the sale approved. The UK's Competition and Markets Authority was initially skeptical of Microsoft's promises to keep the military shooter available on PlayStation consoles for many years to come, arguing it could have a financial incentive to pull the blockbuster series from the platform in the future. The CMA now says 
that after receiving more detailed information about Call of Duty's uh, player spending, it's clear that making the series exclusive to Xbox would lose Microsoft a lot of money. Uh, They said, quote, the CMA industry group has updated its provisional findings and reached a provisional conclusion that overall the transaction will not resist uh, result in a substantial lessening of competition in relation to console gaming in the UK. Uh, While the CMA's original analysis indicated that this strategy would be profitable under most scenarios, new data, which provides better insight into the actual purchasing behavior of Call of Duty gamers, indicates that this strategy would be significantly loss-making under any plausible scenario. On this basis, the undated analysis now shows that it would be commercial would not be commercially beneficial to Microsoft to make Call of Duty exclusive to Xbox following the deal, but that Microsoft will instead still have the incentive to continue to make the game available on PlayStation. The regulatory agency is still investigating the cloud gaming side of the deal with its final verdict and decision still not due out until the 26th of April. Call of Duty seemed to be the biggest sticking point in the uh, CMA's skepticism of the deal, but Microsoft seems to have now tentatively assuaged those fears. It's also been busy shoring up its defense on the cloud gaming front by striking several deals with several smaller competitors to guarantee its first party games will be available on those services if the deal goes through. So uh, so Microsoft still needs to get approval from European regulators and deal with an antitrust lawsuit by the Federal Trade Commission here in the U.S., but investors seem more hyped for the deal than they've ever been. The stock price shot up to $85 a share following the CMA's latest announcement, more than at any point since the acquisition was announced. It's, it's essentially going to happen. Um, they're looking at the cloud gaming side, which I don't think was Sony's sticking point. Sony's going to have to make a deal, though. Uh, even though uh, apparently and allegedly, and nobody's refuted this, they said uh, last week it came out that Sony's like, we're not interested in the deal. We just want to stop the merger. And, uh, you know, so now it's going to be, okay, what's that deal going to look like? Uh, and there was even a quote in here, I believe, that a uh, part of that I um, uh, skipped over. Uh, yeah, so uh, Microsoft actually suggested that it, they want to do a 10-year deal. Now, this is kind of interesting when you kind of break this down. They want to do a 10-year deal with Sony. And what Microsoft told the UK regulators is that they suggested that 10 years would be plenty of time for Sony to make its own Call of Duty competitor if it was so concerned about losing it. So I think that's kind of interesting that Microsoft's already saying, well, I mean, we're going to give them a a 10-year head start, have them make their own Call of Duty. And... You know, that may be something that may be the kind of the first hint that we get that uh, Microsoft's not going to do another deal after the first 10 years. That, you know, Sony should spend that time making a Call of Duty competitor. And and, and yeah, and and E3VL also says 10 years is also plenty of time for Microsoft to make their own Call of Duty. They they did. It's called Halo. That's that's the one they made. And S. Gentleman says 10 years also probably when the next console will be out as well. And that that's actually what Sony was worried about was was basically Sony. One of Sony's original arguments was that people were not going to buy the PlayStation 6 because Call of Duty wasn't going to be on it. That that was Sony's big argument. Sony's like, we, we're not worried about the PS4, or the PS5. We're worried about the PS6. It looks like Microsoft has, is playing the legal game correctly, at least overseas. And it looks like this deal is going to go through with Call of Duty. Um, I'm surprised that the, you know, if if anything was going to get broken off, I thought it would have been the mobile stuff, but obviously this Call of Duty thing is, this is the big sticking point for Sony and for other companies. But hey, out of this, we're going to get a Call of Duty on Switch. So, Game Developer Conference was this week, and there's usually a buzzword at game developer conference a mar- it's it's a marketing style buzzword but it's what basically everything's themed about around and in the past it's been you know it's been a lot of crossplay type stuff it's been vr in the past it was 3d gaming at one point and this time around this year it's ai and i'm using my quotey fingers for ai because i want to be clear what they're calling ai and what everybody's been calling ai here in the last um, last couple couple months as things have exploded with the whole chat GPT stuff and, and all that stuff. It's not AI, it's machine learning. They're machine learning algorithms and it's predictive text. It's doing a lot of predictive text with a lot of processing power behind it 
and machine learning and all of uh, all of that stuff. It's not AI in the sense of when you think of science fiction AI. There, we're, none of this is data from the next generation. None, and, and thankfully, not yet. None of this is the T-1000 or the T-2000 from Terminator. Uh, so we, we are not at AI yet. This is just machine learning that they have rebranded AI. Uh, because we've been using the term AI for decades. Um, you know, enemy logic in, in a game is considered the enemy AI, even though it's really just a bunch of for, for loops and if statements. That's really all AI is. It's a bunch of if statements and, and randomized variables and, and stuff like that. Uh, and if you're a programmer, you know exactly what I mean. If you're not a programmer, you don't know what I just said. But trust me, it's, that's, it's, it's basic programming stuff. Um, and uh, the Breakman says, machine learning, AI, whatever, is still smarter than me. And that's, that's why we love you, Breakman. Um, but everybody's been talking about, and even I've taught, raised the flag on this, that AI is coming for people's jobs. And at GDC, they basically said, they didn't say it outright, but they basically said, yeah, we're, we're coming for a segment of jobs. We're coming for a segment, you know, we're going to make jobs, outsource these jobs to the AI instead of outsourcing them to people. Unfortunately, for younger people, it's them. And the one that I want to actually talk about uh, first is uh, this one from Ubisoft. Now, Ubisoft, uh, Kotaku reports, is making a uh, an AI tool for a very a variant of um for a very specific portion of game development. It's called Ghostwriter. So, uh, it's an AI tool currently helping its developers write dialogue for some of the games. So the tool called Ghostwriter is described as an AI tool developed in-house that aims to support our script writers by generating the first draft of our NPC barks. The phrases or sounds made by NPCs when players interact with the game world. This tool was created hand-in-hand with script writers to create more realistic NPC interactions by generating variations on a piece of dialogue. See how our teams will use AI to handle repetitive tasks and free up time to work on other core game elements. So the break man even says, this is nothing new. Technology has always replaced human jobs. Um, and, and, and yes, that's true. The thing to know about this particular tool is an entry level game writing job. What you are doing is you are writing the barks and that is how you get your foot in in the game industry as a writer. That is how you start learning, uh, you know, you learn other things while writing those barks, which, yes, it is basically the lowest rung of game writing is writing all the random barks. And by barks, I'm going to try to find in this video and play play a little clip of the video here because um, there, there's narration in this video. I'm playing a video from Ubisoft uh, in here, and I'm going to turn it up just a little bit and see if uh, we can here so you can because i want you to know what when they say a bark what do they mean um the chatter of crowds and triggered npc lines known as barks are essential is, to player immersion here it is and behind i'm glad that they they bleeped it for me so uh they bleeped that um so that the barks are basically when you're walking down the street in in in, in any game and it's all the chatter going on around you it's basically it's all the barks from the NPCs, what they're barking, what they're what they're saying as you walk by, all the incidental dialogue that doesn't necessarily directly relate to the story. It's world building. Those would usually be done by junior or entry level writers that are breaking into the uh, to to game writing. Uh, that is who would be doing those. And what a what they're doing, and there's even other things going on that is including AI, which is really just machine learning. But we're going to use the term AI with quotey fingers. Uh, because Unity, the game engine, is also implementing AI to generate game assets, to generate 3D models, generate art, and stuff like that, which that is something that an entry-level artist would be doing. Um, so what they're doing is... Uh, so, so what they're doing is they're basically taking all of the entry-level stuff and outsourcing it to AI, and that way, and, and because the people that are going to be replaced by what we're calling AI right now is not going to be the top-level talent. It's not going to be your senior-level talent, because you've got to have some humans that are running 
the st- uh, you know, actually writing the prompts. Uh, what they're replacing are the people that do the grunt work. So instead of hiring people to do the grunt work, they're now just going to have the server room do the grunt work. And those people that want to get an entry-level job in games, that there's going to be less of those around. And so we're going to see less people in that position. And uh, and Esther and Matt uh, is giving out a, 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 a spitball number. So he probably saves them about $250,000 uh, by not having to hire those extra staff wires, uh, writers and just replacing them with AI. Now, if you ask Ubisoft, that's not what they're doing. Ubisoft basically goes out of their way, especially in this video, saying that this is a tool to help them. It's basically create their, in their world, this is creating the first draft. So they create the first draft of the, the, the AI creates the first draft of the barks, and then the human picks which one they want and strings them together. But you don't need to be an entry-level person to be able to do that. And that's, it's essentially, you know, a, a higher level writer would probably be an editor of what the entry level person did. And now you don't need the entry level person. You just have the higher level writer be an editor of what the computer did. So uh, we're, we're beginning to see this a little bit more in game development, which uh, in some people and some minds, in some cases, this is probably a democratization of game development because now you don't have to be a good artist to have games with good art. You don't have to be very proficient with Maya or Blender or any of those other 3D tools to make a good 3D model. You can use machine learning tools to, and you basically prompt, you learn to prompt, which is what, what it is when you type something into and have the AI do something. You learn how to prompt and they will output for you what you need. And we're also seeing this in programming as well. I have actually, you know, had it prompt and give me some programming snippet codes. Uh, and, and, and there's, there's good things about this technology. Uh, but you're going to start seeing a lot of people use it more and more for things that they could be hiring actual humans for. I find it really interesting. There was a quote by somebody on social media and I don't know who said it originally. I've seen it, seen it reposted millions of times. Uh, so I don't know where it originally came from. But um, it's kind of interesting how we're the humans are the ones that are working and the AI is the one that's doing art and writing poetry. That's not really how this was supposed to go. The AI was supposed to take the jobs away so we could spend our time writing, doing art and writing poetry and, and writing fiction and stuff. And now instead, it's the AI that's actually doing all the creative stuff. While the humans, so the humans can spend more time doing, you know, menial tasks that don't really matter. Fifth Dream says that new motion capture uh, engine Epic showed was amazing. Small indie games will have full mocap. So I did see this and I'm, uh, this is actually, this was actually amazing. Um, Because it's not, the Unreal Engine stuff that I'm going to show you in a second called MetaHuman. This is also something that is on, on YouTube, so you can find it there. Uh, this still requires, uh, it, it probably requires, you could probably be an entry level person to do this one. It still requires human involvement, but it does a lot of the stuff, uh, for you. So, um, what they basically did at their GDC presentation is they had a, an actor on stage talking into an iPhone and giving, you know, saying certain things and making different facial expressions, moving her eyes around. And then in about 90 seconds, on stage now. Hopefully, I'm. I am assuming that this is actually something that they were doing in real time. They were showing uh, a dude. You could see the dude on a computer on the side of the stage. They were showing his screen on the big projection. They could have faked this. I don't know. I I don't think they would fake this, but they absolutely could have. But I'm going to basically. I'm going to take them at their word that they were literally doing this in real time on stage. They were having to like fill some time. The two people spiking on stage were having to fill time while they were showing this. But essentially she spoke no dots on the face, no, you know, no, no, uh, mocap suit or anything. She she was an actress speaking there was an iPhone or, or a mobile phone. I'm not going to say an iPhone, a mobile phone, basically like two feet away from her face. It was very close up to her face. And uh, then they basically spent 90 seconds and basically put it on a 3D model. And uh, Esther Man says that rendering time is super fast, just saying. And I think, uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, like I said, 
I don't know what they were running under the hood. Uh, they might be having a really, really fast computer under the hood. Um, and uh, and uh, Dark Sea said, I know the mouth movements looked a little unnatural, I guess. Um, I, so I can't say if it's faked one way or the other. So what they actually said in this uh, presentation that they were doing was that this is essentially the first draft. An artist, a 3D artist, would still have to go in and make the movements a little bit more natural. It can only do so much. And Tiger Claw says, technology is moving at a point where you don't need Poké Dots. You just need, uh, they're going at facial capture, and we are seeing that with software you can use at home and control a 3D avatar. Uh, yes, because like VTubers, this, that's like that as well. But this is, VTubers put that on a 2D plane, and this is actually creating a literal 3D model. Uh, and so in the time that I've been talking, uh, this video has been running, and I've just been letting it go. And if you're watching on the Twitch stream, now you can see that exact performance that that woman was doing rendered on a 3D person. Uh, a 3D image of somebody that doesn't work with all the correct eye movements. Uh, she sneers a little bit, bares her teeth, uh, smiles and looks around. And then they even then put it on a whole bunch of different models. Uh, so like in like even like a cartoon character and things like that. So it's it's really it, it's it's really neat tech. And that is going to be a, be great for democratizing game development for smaller developers because Unreal Engine is uh, is also free like Unity. Um, so, you know, and, and they're doing their best to court, uh, a lot of indie developers to make things a little bit easier. Um, and so they, they actually show here that once they've done all that, they can, you know, tweak different scenes, different movements and stuff like that. Questbuster says that Fortnite money at work. Yes, that, that's, that is what we're seeing. The, the Fortnite money is paying for all this, but here on the Twitch feed, you can see that they're basically showing, just putting that on different avatars different 3d avatars and it's just all mapped uh and um that's going to be some interesting technology there that may help people get into doing game development because like for me i'm a game programmer but i can't do art but i also don't know enough actual artists that and i probably couldn't afford them because i believe that they should be paid for their work uh to be able to actually like make any of the games that i would want to make uh, but now, you know, with AI, now I don't need to pay the people. And maybe so, I mean, like I'm on both sides. I'm like, I think it sucks that for artists that might, you know, want to get work and do this stuff, but it doesn't suck for me because now I don't have to go find an artist to go hire. As Sharon Matt says, so for sports games, which I like sports games, I know most of you don't, but I do. I could see this being fun if folks want to create a player using their likeness using AI. Now you have to do sliders and stuff to get close, but this is the future. Folks could get more realistic versions of themselves in games. Doesn't the NBA 2K series do this, though? Uh, or there was something that where you could actually take a self, like they actually told you how to take selfies with your phone, and then you uploaded them, and it kind of generated the likeness from your selfie. I want to remember, think that it was like an NBA 2K game that did that, where you could actually create your player from your picture. Uh, ZenMonkey11 says NBA 2K and WWE 2K do does that. So where you can have your pick, you basically take your picture. But this is going, uh, you know, a, a completely different direction. And what they were even saying is what you can do with this Unreal software is you can just, in order to create a 3D model, you can actually use your mobile phone to take selfies with you looking at multiple different angles. And then it basically makes a 3D map from those angles. So you don't have to have the dots on your face or anything like that. So... Uh, that stuff's really interesting. That is not AI in as much as that's just really powerful processing that people are making for not a lot of, that, that people are not charging a lot of money to use. So it is the democratization stuff uh, of that. And you still need to tweak that stuff. It doesn't do all the work for you. Um, whereas some of these other AI tools uh, that, that un uh, Unity and Ubisoft and stuff, it is taking stuff away from what, people did uh what what junior level people did and we've seen this in manufacturing um there used to be entry-level woodworkers now there's not because you have cnc machines doing all the entry-level grunt work and it's the more skilled woodworkers that check the machines and do any finishing touches and so where are you supposed to get your entry-level experience at i don't know so we are going to take a quick music break, and uh, then we will be back to take your calls or talk about anything else going on in the gaming industry or anything else that might have come out of GDC uh, that you want to talk about. You're participating with The Bobby Blackwell Show. You're in the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. 
come join us in the AI revolution, or continue playing games on easy mode with Bobby Black Wolf. The choice is yours. I totally forgot who sent that bumper in. But uh, I was like, yeah, I got to play that one. Because, like, you know, they now they want AI to play games for me on easy mode. That they call that AI Luigi. Uh, thank you so much. Who, who uh, to that bumper is a couple years old. That's why I forgot who sent it. I knew who sent it at the time, uh, but uh, I think they also want to stay anonymous. I think it was just an AI generated bumper from like three years ago. So, uh, if you want to leave a bumper, uh, you if you really want to use Chat GPT to write the script, I, that's fine with me. Whatever. Uh, but I just need a bumper with just your voice and uh, and no music behind it. I will choose. I will let ChatGPT choose which DMCA violation I will put behind it. Just your voice. Or if you want to do a video, a video of just your voice so we can play it on Twitch as being video as well. Uh, and uh, and send it to me. Uh, contact me somehow uh, on Discord, on social media. I do have an email address, bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com if you really want to use that. Uh, the Breakman says Bobby Blackwolf makes easy mode look like impossible mode. Hey, sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I, I, I have still died in easy mode before. So, uh, and Tiger Law says, maybe someone can send a bumper with the AI voice that sounds like a celebrity. Uh, you can send that in. I will tell you, I'm going to go ahead and make the executive decision not to accept those. I will accept actual impersonations from you. Um, and I have, I actually do have a bumper from somebody who was a voice actor and he was given permission to do the bumper as his character from the game. Uh, which, you know, you have to get that permission. Uh, he was given that permission. I was given that permission. So that's cool. But uh, no, I'm not going to do um, AI-generated voice. I'd rather have it be real people that do the voice, even if you're doing an impression of someone else. So that is, uh, that, that's going to be my line in the sand right there. I do want to mention uh, some of this face-scanning technology. There was, another, uh, there was a comment from ZenMonkey11 that happened right before the, uh, the break. And um, about uh, that face scanning technology and how we're getting a lot better at that face scanning technology, which isn't te technically machine learning or AI or anything like that. Uh, but uh, Zenmay11 says, in VR, they have a site called Ready Player Me, and you put in your selfie in the app, and it makes avatars that look like you, like a PlayStation 2 character based on you. And you can put it in a few different social VR apps. And I, and I responded, I was like, oh, wait, you mean I can have an avatar in VR chat that doesn't look like an anime cat girl? And that's great for me. I may actually, I'm, I may actually look into that site because I haven't seen that. I do, I haven't used VR Chat much, uh, but I did uh, to do some VR Chat stuff with uh, the games done quick. Uh, I had to friend somebody to be able to get into the private instance, and by giving getting that friend on VR Chat, it's like okay, you can now upload your own avatar. So now I can actually upload my own avatar. And until then, I could only use avatars that other people had created. And uh, they're all anime cat girls because that's what most people in VR chat want to be. I'm not going to say identify as, but that's what they want to look like is anime cat girls. So there's a whole bunch of anime cat girls and that's about it. I'm going to check and see in the green room if anybody's in there. I don't, there wasn't anybody in there earlier and no, I do not see anybody in the green room, which is, t uh, which is fine. Um, so, because uh, I started late and we talked a lot about stuff. But coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash VOG Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. Uh, and uh, we like to check in with them and, uh, and, and see if, uh, what, what AI is taking their job, uh, if any. So, uh, Sacramento, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Bobby. How are you? I, I am doing well. I know where you were five years ago today, by the way. Uh, yes, I, I saw the Facebook memory yes. uh, of it, too, which is ironic because uh, my good pal, Arya Snark, who uh, used to do a show with me for a short time called Shaking and Crying that mm -hmm. was here on Vogue Network. She was just at the World of Coke yesterday because she's in Atlanta for Ooh. a wedding right, right now. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So, yes, yeah. I, I still got to level 13 in Diablo on my five year wedding anniversary. <laughs> Congratulations. We went out last night, so like it's not like we, but yeah, uh, so yeah, so I remember you, yeah, we, you were at World of Coke, and we went to the Georgia Aquarium and stuff, and mm -hmm. that, that was when I got to spend a lot of time with Alan, yeah, so, yeah, for the first time. So, so yeah, so uh, I know you're big into Diablo Four, uh, mm -hmm. or, or you you've you've played Diablo Four in previous weekends because you bought the you you bought the big edition, uh, and is it 
am, am, am I assuming correctly that I would probably have more fun with it if I was playing it multiplayer because it's getting kind of repetitive as a single player experience for me personally. I certainly had more fun with multiplayer. I did um, it's, uh, four of us, you know, and it is cross platform because mm -hmm. Shane was on a PS5, for example. Mm -hmm. um, we were doing some of the random dungeons and things. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it is it is more fun when you can talk to people and kind of have that collaborative experience. Um, I would say, you know, part of what makes Diablo 4 very interesting. I mean, Diablo 3, and I really like that game, but there is a certain repetitiveness to that mm -hmm. as well. You know, you're kind of doing the riffs over and over, trying to, you know, get the better loot pinatas, and then you're doing the greater riffs, trying to push further. But the nice thing about Diablo 4 is that, you know, despite the fact that there's a, a kind of static open world, if you will, there are all these different things within it that you can do with the dungeons and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and my understanding is with the end game, they're bringing over a system similar to WoW's Mythic Dungeons, where you'll be able to kind of make all of those dungeons. And there's there's a lot of them throughout the world. You make mm -hmm. them harder with different affixes to kind of, you know, spike up the challenge or whatever it is you want to do. But there's a lot that you can't really experience from level 25 or up to level 25 that has to do with really like getting your builds, perfecting your builds, uh, getting the gear that helps influence the types of builds um, mm -hmm. that you get and so on. But I mean, as far as like the gameplay, there is going to be a certain repetitiveness to it. Um, but being able to mix up the builds relatively on demand, because I mean, yes, it costs gold to reset your talent so far. And I, I don't know what they're going to end up doing in the in the final product, because in Diablo, you or Diablo 3, you can respec any time for free, and I feel like they're going to go that way, but it's it's really cheap in 4 so far, mm -hmm. so I, I don't know, but um, there's a lot of different things you can do with the build, especially like Rogue. You could be a, a long-distance fighting Rogue, or you could be like an up-close thief type of Rogue, and it's almost mm -hmm. like you can kind of change the way you're fighting yeah. um, with that, so... Yeah, and I, I will say that they a lot of the accessibility options I, I saw were pretty good. There's one, and I, I haven't looked recently, but as I was playing... And I'm also going to ask you, as kind of somebody who's played Diablo games a lot, I tend to lose where my mouse pointer is on the screen. Is there anything that helps with that? Diablo 3 had an option to turn the trail on the mouse. Yeah. So you could see, like, the mouse trail as it moves to make it a little more obvious. Uh, I don't. I didn't really check to see if four had that. Yeah. I just do. If I lose my mouse, I just move it all the way to the lower left hand corner. I just kind of keep going, and then yeah. I kind of know where it is at that point. Yeah, because I've been playing a, a barbarian, which is and it's a close range combat. So I'm trying mm. to click around, and mm -hmm. I I can't find where my mouse is because I want to click. You know, f you know, attack the person behind me, and I don't know. And I'm attacking up because my mouse is up top, and I can't see it. It's little, nice, little, and white, and so I can't find it quickly. Let's put it that Fifth way. Dream does say there are three different sizes to the mouse okay. cursor. So maybe there is something you can go in there and play okay. with to see. I will also caution Barbarian. Apparently, and I also took Barbarian to 25. Um, but I'm understanding it's one of the, the weaker of the classes right now. Just what you can do with it. Again, it's not tuned because the real game will be tuned at level 100 this one's tuned at level 25 so it makes boss fights a little bit harder unfortunately than like a sorcerer who can stand long distance not saying yeah. you can't get through it but it is going to be a little bit harder when it's yeah. melee I, I did die once to the there was um and i'm i'm, I'm not going to say anything about the story but like there was a boss that actually has like these little fire orbs around the side and then shoots five things out Th that boss killed me the first time and then i got it the oh, second yeah. time yeah um i and, definitely have to use that dodge yeah, yeah, no, and I, I was able to like I do know how to dodge. Like I'm this, this I am not a no dodge person. Um, I just tend to dodge too much because it's like you can't mm. do that right now. You can't do that right now. Um, and yes, there is a necromancer. Breakman asked if there is a necromancer that was added this weekend, right? The necromancer that was added this weekend with Druid. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, it's it runs great on my computer. So I'm actually happy about that. I built this computer and it runs great on it. So, yeah, you know, there's that. And but and and the marketing with the puppy in the backpack is what smart. got me to do this this weekend. So <laughs> that is smart on their part. I'm going to call that out right there. However, am I going to hit level 20 before it closes tomorrow? I don't think so. So, oh, well. I'm uh, sure they'll have a cosmetic in the um, season one battle pass that is also a puppy of a different breed. Yeah, that just that's a thing I just foresee happening. Yeah. Uh, so um, what else are you going to be talking about on OLR tonight? Um, Valve announces a new game. Finally, what? that's not VR. And it's it's actually a sequel to a game that they've done before. Is so it the this third is one? like shock. 
No, it's not a third one, unfortunately. Um, they aren't allergic to three, but or they are allergic to three, but they aren't allergic to two. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in time for the news of the closure of the 3DS and Wii U eShops, we have uh, the announcement of Project Egg uh, has to do with retro gaming on the Switch. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. All right. Mike Def says technically this is the fourth one, but it does not have the number three in the title of the Valve game. So Orange Lounge Radio. Half-Life has technically like four or five, what, there's episode two, part one, part two, Alex. So technically there's like a bunch of Half-Life games too, but we all want Half-Life 3, Dev. Right, exactly. (laughs) Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much. Thanks as always, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash fognetwork. Come join us live and interact with the show directly, and hopefully I will be feeling fine uh, and not be rushing and five, starting five minutes late like I did tonight. I thank you so much for those of you that were here. Uh, even though I started five minutes late, I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like starting late uh, because consistency is key in this stuff. So thank you so much for sticking with sticking with me here. Uh, so, yeah, I am on social media over uh, all the places. Bobby Blackwolf, mstdn.games is my mastodon instance or over at vognetwork.com slash discord during the week. And uh, we'll be trading Battle.net passes or Battle.net tags and stuff uh, for all the, the Battle.net games over there as well. If you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody. But it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet, but we would not be able to make uh, this show work without uh, the people that go above and beyond and uh, and, and donate uh, to, to help Voice of Geeks Network go on. Uh, you being here is really all we ask for, and you you watching uh, and listening, uh, that's really all we ask for. But thank you so much, Orange Wright, for resubscribed. Thank you so much for the resubscription over on Twitch, which means that you can hear, uh, you can actually watch the video of these episodes before they hit the podcast feed, uh, and you can catch up with the show that way. Uh, so that is it. I am going to go ahead and hit the button and get out of here. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I might be in Diablo 4 tonight after OLR. I might not. I'm not streaming it, but I'm, I might be around. I don't know. We'll see if I get a puppy. See ya. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.